Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you today. The tyranny of heresy. That's going to be on our conversation this hour. Dr. Christopher Malloy has got a book coming out called False Mercy, Recent Heresies Distorting Catholic Truth. And speaking of tyranny and heresy, uh, YouTube is uh, continuing its censorship reign. There's a great article out uh, sort of detailing how much censorship it has done this year. Uh, But by the way, TikTok is getting in on the action, deleting major figures off of their platform for for not adhering to their guidelines, and they won't tell them why or anything like that. I mean, just just maybe it's because they adhere to a certain political spectrum. Who knows? But we'll talk about that and the what's concerning us. Americans are being uh, prepared to be left behind in Afghanistan, apparently. We'll get caught up on how many Americans could potentially be left after the August 31st deadline. And uh, where does the USCCP get its money? What does it do with its money? All of those conversations are in the What's Concerning Us and a lot more. It's going to be a great hour. Dr. Christopher Molloy coming up at 35 past the hour. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise be to God. I am alive. Awesome. And that counts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So uh, the fourth day now, uh, how is the rest coming? Have you figured that part out? Uh, it's coming along. I think it's like uh, the average habit, you know, they say it takes at least, I don't know, 12, 12 six weeks to develop. But wow. I think uh, hopefully I, I get there sooner. Uh, I, you know, it's just with a new habit. Yeah. Uh, the average person does not usually wake up at 3.30 in the morning. No, the best do, though. The absolute <laughs> best cream of the crop of humanity do get up early. It's true. Right, right Adrian? You would say, right? Uh, well, I would say that anything that I'm doing... That it's obviously mm. means that there is the the best of the best are doing it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. It's a one to one correlation. One to one. Okay, I'm Absolutely. writing that down. I'm 100%, writing that down. One hundred percent. Interesting. Okay, fascinating. Well, praise mm-hmm. be to God. Now, Christopher Malloy. Fascinating story is Christopher Malloy is a friend of the GRN. Uh, he uh, used to co-host a program with our colleague Dave Palmer, who hosts a program called Back to the Father every Friday two o'clock on our social feeds. And uh, he and uh, Dr. Malloy used to comment all the time on the news in a program we call GRN Alive. So I haven't talked to him in a long time. This is going to be exciting. Well, I'm excited. I looked at uh, – unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to read his book, but I looked at it's it. It's not out yet. And, uh, oh, I thought uh, I thought it was already out. But I saw they read the description of it and some of the things like that. And it seems like it is very pertinent to uh, our times, talking about some of the mass heresies in the, uh, in the world today and uh, even in the church. So – you know, we might see a, we see a little bit of that at some places. I'm just saying, you know, haven't it, we uh, voted that heresies are no longer heresies though? Didn't like we just like vote that stuff away and say, you know, well, it no longer matters. Heresies is is a, it's a mean word, so <laughs> I we try not to use it. Too much. It's insensitive. You know? it's insensitive. We try I try to be nice. I mean, what, what is that? If you're a heretic, you're gonna feel like pretty pretty, uh, you know. Like the spotlight's on you right now. Are you saying that it's going to get hot for heretics? Hot for heretics. Mm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. We'll talk about that in the gospel reflection, though. Praise be to God. So uh, coming up at uh, uh, right here in a moment, we're going to pray. And then, of course, we'll have the latest breaking stories with Janice. And then we'll do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. A little reflection thanks to verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools to do so. Uh, that's with a V, V-E-R-B-U-M dot com forward slash GRN. And then at 15 past the hour, we're going to dive into a series of uh, of great uh, headline news stories from a Catholic perspective. So all that's coming up at 35 past the hour. Dr. Christopher Malloy, professor at UD, is going to talk about his most recent book, A False Mercy, Recent Heresies, Distorting Catholic Truth. All that coming up in this first hour. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. In the next hour, we play our game, and uh, prizes are at stake, and you could win. You can go to our website for the details at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the breaking stories with Janice. Good morning. This is Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, the Pentagon has officially ordered all active duty troops to receive the COVID-19 shot immediately. Marines who decline the vaccine risk losing their pensions and other benefits, as well as forced separation or court martial. Although court proceedings for thousands or tens of thousands of individual service members would likely overload the military's disciplinary system. From Epic Times, Texas Governor Abbott issues order to maintain ban on COVID vaccine mandates regardless of FDA approval status. From the Catholic News Agency, the Archdiocese of Chicago will require all Archdiocesan employees and clergy to receive the vaccine for COVID-19 within the next six weeks and will only allow exemptions for medical reasons. From the National Catholic Register, the U.S. Department of Justice recently released a special back-to-school message on its YouTube channel, troubling many Catholic parents as they as the video explicitly presents ideas contrary to Catholic sexual ethics. Many are calling this a masterpiece of sexual revolution propaganda. This is the sexual state uh, at work. From National Catholic Register, a Vatican diplomat has urged countries to move from declaration to action by welcoming refugees from Afghanistan. From Church Militant, Venerable Fulton Sheen's cause for beatification is currently at a standfall between American prelates playing games and the Vatican failing to give updates. The late bishop's path to sainthood is up in the air. From Catholic News Agency, Pope Francis said on Wednesday that hypocrisy within the church is particularly detestable. And lastly, from Blaze News, YouTube has said it has taken down more than 1 million videos for COVID-19 misinformation since the pandemic began. Since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic in February 2020, YouTube has removed more than a million videos from their channel related to 
quote, dangerous coronavirus information, end quote, the company said on Wednesday. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a great win- have a great Thursday. The saint of the day is Saint Orontius of Lecce. He was born in 22 in Lecce, Italy. Yes, that's 22, as in 022 AD. Son of Publius, a Roman imperial treasurer, and an uncle of Saint Fortu- Fortunatus, converted by the shipwrecked Saint Paul the Apostle. Imagine having Saint Paul the Apostle as a person who converted you. Roman imperial treasurer, upon his father's death, he denounced. He was denounced as a Christian, and he was ordered to sacrifice to idols. He refused. He was arrested, stripped of his office, whipped, and exiled to Corinth, where he met up with St. Paul again. He was consecrated as the first bishop of his hometown of Lecce, Italy. He returned to the town during the persecutions of Nero and was arrested again. He was ordered to denounce Christianity. He refused, and after some time in prison, managed to get released again. He immediately resumed preaching in the areas Embrindisi and Bari. Well, this guy doesn't learn his lesson. So, what happens? He is eventually martyred. He received the axe. He was beheaded with an axe on the 26th of August in 68 AD, a couple miles outside of Lecce, Italy. St. Orontius of Lecce, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 51. Jesus said to his disciples, Stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too, you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Who then is the faithful and prudent servant whom the master has put in charge of his household to distribute to them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on his arrival finds doing so. Amen. I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is long delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eat and drink with drunkards? The servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish him severely and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great said, To watch is to keep the eyes open and looking out for the true light, to do and to observe that which one believes, to cast away the darkness of sloth and negligence. The St. Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, one of my favorite, uh, you know, sort of, it's very brief, it's to the point, but it's also jam-packed full of incredible detail, and I really enjoy it. And it was talking about the three layers that are uh, at play here in this particular passage. There's a past historical layer, a present liturgical layer, and a future eschatological layer. 
Uh, in the past, historical says the disciples were to look vigilantly for vigilantly for Christ's judgment on Jerusalem, AD 70, lest they fail to heed his words and evacuate the city before its demise. Have you ever looked into the uh, the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD at the hands of the Roman army led by Trajan? Have you ever read the original source on that subject? You ought to. And you're thinking, Joe, I don't, I don't do that. I'm not a scholar. Well, neither am I, but you can handle it. Trust me. Roll up your sleeves, take a deep breath, go and Google the Jewish wars by Josephus and read it for yourself. Your mind will be blown. It was an incredible event in history. The angels were seen walking on the clouds at war. There was such a destruction, such a slaughter that happened uh, in Jerusalem. They ate their own children in desperation. Horrific details. Now, why do I ask you to do this? To remind you of the severity and the epicness of what we're being asked to in this particular passage today. Go look up Josephus. The present liturgical uh, says disciples must look with faith to see the coming of Christ in the Eucharist. Here, too, Jesus' presence must be discerned to avoid divine judgment when he comes in the sacrament. Future eschatological, disciples must watch for Christ's second coming and glory at the end of history. Being vigilant in faith and good works is necessary to inherit eternal life with Christ. But the really good stuff today is from our favorite heretic, Origen. Talking about the house, the servant, the wicked servant, the guy, you know, the guy with the keys to the front door, the guy who's in charge of all the other servants, whose job it is to provide for them in the, in the necessary hour, food, but he instead uh, gets lazy, slothful, complacent, hangs out with the drunkards. This is an image of St. Peter with the keys. Think about the weight of that. Origen points out, from this we may learn that the Lord sets over his household, not the faithful and wise only, but the wicked also, and that it will not save them to have been set over his household, but only if they have given them their food in due season and have abstained from beating and drunkenness. Let that set in. And even Origen even goes on to say, every bishop who ministers not as a fellow servant, but rules by might as a master and often a harsh one, sins against God. Also, if he does not cherish the needy, but feasts with the drunken and is continually slumbering because his Lord cometh not till after a long time. Wow. St. Jerome, uh, he even seems to think that the punishment here is definitely the fires of hell. Just because one set over household does not guarantee them eternal bliss. Too much, to that who is given much, much is expected. Let's pray for our hierarchy, that they'll be courageous and faithful. Let's offer sacrifices for them too. Amen? But let's be on the lookout. Watch, therefore, because today could be your hour. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. 
The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God, it is good to be on with you. Coming up at 15, or rather, 35 past the hour, Dr. Christopher Malloy, he's a professor at UD. He's got a book coming out called False Mercy, Recent Heresies, Distorting Catholic Truth. And that is going to be our conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. By the way, I failed to mention this in the beginning of the show, but in the second hour, not only do we play... The Fear and Trembling Game Show. Yes, that's a thing. And yes, we do give out prizes. It's always a lot of fun. Praise be to God. But today, in our after show, which happens at the second half of the second hour, for all of you that are able to join us, we're going to have a special guest on our after show today. That's going to be uh, Phil Lawler from CatholicCulture.org. He's got a series of blog posts out on the church and the vaccination mandates, things like that. So we're going to conversate with him about those blog posts in our after show today. We will record the conversation, and it'll be uh, our, an interview that we will play during the regular portion of Catholic Drive Time coming up soon. I can't say which day yet, but but soon. So that's going to happen. If you want to watch it live and be a part of that, you certainly can. You can do it right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to some uh, breaking uh, stories here and, uh, and some what's concerning us stories. Here's one out of Reuters. Israeli rabbis ask Pope to clarify remarks on Jewish law. And uh, I, so we saw, I was watching uh, on Twitter yesterday, and, uh, and there was a lot of people joking about uh, the dubia will finally be answered. You remember the dubia, right, Adrian? Yes, my favorite, my favorite thing is the fact that the Holy Father allows us to uh, re- make requests and you know, ask for clarification when yes, there are complicated things Seems going reasonable. on. Seems reasonable. Um, but there's no guarantee we get answers. <laughs> well, <laughs> We're no. out to ask. We can no. ask as many we're, times as we want. We'll get answers to yeah, the dubia. Well we'll, get, be, well, we'll get answers to a dubia. Right. Just a not, certain <laughs> dubia. Janice, are you familiar with the dubia fathers, the dubia cardinals? Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, and I've heard... Uh, uh, the lack of response from the Vatican um, in the past. Yeah. Um, but uh, just mm. to clarify, is this the uh, the marriage this, and family dubia no, or related? No. no, this this is a newer dubia. Have you seen the oh, meme? Okay. Yes. Have you seen the meme of the uh, <laughs> the skeleton sitting at the table, just yes. like staring out into the yeah. into the a boy, like the crickets, void, and the saying, "Me waiting <laughs> yeah. for the dubia to be yeah. answered." Well, good news is we're probably going to get a response on this dubia. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, this is out of Reuters. It says Israeli rabbis ask Pope to clarify remarks on Jewish law, and uh, it, the article goes a little bit like this: Israel's top Jewish religious authorities have told the Vatican they are concerned about comments 
that Pope Francis made about their books of sacred law and have asked for a clarification. In a letter seen by Reuters, Rabbi Rasson Arusi, chair of the Commission of the Chief Rabbinate of Israel for Dialogue with the Holy See, said the comments appeared to suggest Jewish law was obsolete. Vatican authorities said they were studying the letter and were considering a response. What? Did we, we got that, too, right, on the other dubious? They also got a, hey, we're going to study this and get back to you? Did, did, Are you referring, you're referring to the fact that all the dubious cardinals died, but without getting an answer except for two, right? That's what you're referring to? No, no, I meant like when they submitted their dubia, they got a response, immediately said, hey, we're going to read this, we're going to look into it, and we'll get back to you. Right, exactly what I said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're... Mm-hmm. Um, Complete what? silence. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> all, all, all Cardinals. According to Reuters, they've already gotten a response. Uh, hey, we're looking into it. We'll get back to you. Rabbi Rusi went on to say he wrote, uh, or rather the article goes on to say, wrote a day after the Pope spoke about the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, during a general audience on August 11th. So that was pretty quick. I mean, this is like quick turnaround here. The Torah contains hundreds of commandments or mitzvot for Jews to follow in their everyday lives. The measure of adherence in the wide array of guidelines differs between Orthodox Jews and Reformed Jews. At the audience, the Pope, who was reflecting on what St. Paul said about the Torah in the New Testament, said, quote, the law, however, does not give life referring to the Torah, goes on to say, uh, it does not offer the fulfillment of the promise because it is not capable of being able to fulfill it. Those who seek life need to look to the promise and to its fulfillment in Christ, unquote. Amen. I like that statement. That's a perfectly fine statement, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would say so. That's uh, interesting that he said that. Well, I think it's great that he said that, but the the (laughs) rabbi doesn't seem to agree. He says, uh, the rabbi sent the letter on behalf of the chief rabbinate, the supreme rabbinic authority for Judaism in Israel, to Cardinal Kurt Koch, whose Vatican department includes a commission for religious relations with the Jews. In his homily, uh, he says, quote, in his homily, the Pope presents the Christian faith as not just superseding the Torah, but asserts that the letter, uh, that the latter no longer gives life, implying that Jewish religious practice in the, pre- in the present era is rendered obsolete, the rabbi said in the letter. Where's my dub button? I almost feel like I need to play the dub. Yes, of course. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. That is the gospel. Jesus mm-hmm. is the fulfillment of the law, and therefore, he has, re- he has fulfilled all the requirements in his once-for-all sacrifice uh, for mankind, and he has engrafted the Gentiles onto the vine, and yes, we are in the new covenant. Yes, that's the answer. So the the Pope is right. Praise be to God. I'm happy to say it. The Pope is right. But the, here's the troubling thing. Um, I'm glad they're asking for clarification. I think it's a great teachable moment for uh, for the church and for Jews around the world to hear this gospel message and given in charity even. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, however, uh, what about the dubia? Crickets. Continue crickets mm-hmm. here's a little pet peeve of mine um th- i saw this over at the gatewaypundit.com i don't go there very often but uh, i saw this headline and i only want to mention it in passing it says disgusting school board president whispers quote jesus f you fill in the blank christ these people after a parent makes comments now we're seeing video coming out all across the country of these school board meetings and they're wild rides 
people are getting on and they're really getting angry and they're expressing their, their sentiments in passionate ways. Fine, fair enough. But this is a pet peeve of mine. Why do, why do people continually take our Lord's name in vain every time they're angry? Try Muhammad next time. Uh, Buddha. Buddha's available. Uh, I'm sure there's several Hindu gods that might be options for you. Uh, you can choose them. Why the Lord? Why the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Why him? Why? Why do you continue to take our Lord's name in vain when you want to throw out these expletives? It's just mind-numbing. And it goes to the gospel today. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Because the day and the hour is coming, and every word will be given accounted for. How about this? YouTube, oh, according to the Blaze Media, says YouTube uh, says it has taken down more than one million videos for COVID-19 misinformation since pandemic began. And that is just on our channel. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Praise be to God. Yeah. Almost. 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 We've, we've had three videos that I know of taken down. Have we had more? Uh, we have had, yeah, three. Three? Mm-hmm. On both channels, so six. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, deleting our channels. Now, Basically, this is not new information. Um, this article talks about how they've made it their policy to, uh, to try to prevent what they call or what they consider misinformation. But what gets me in this is they're, they, they, they quote their, one of their sources is the CDC. In other words, they think that the CDC is, the, is what they use for fact-checking. But I can tell you personally that's not the case because in some of the videos that we have had taken down, we're quoting the CDC, and they still take it down. And when they send us an email to say, you have violated our community standards and we have removed this uh, particular content and we have uh, tried to appeal that decision – They come back and say, it's the World Health Organization. They never mention the CDC in their emails to us. They only mention the World Health Organization as their once-only fact-checking source. Um, So this article from this executive over at YouTube claiming that CDC is part of it uh, is not accurate according to what they have sent us and what they've claimed to us personally. But I guess my point is, how many videos have been taken down from actual doctors, pathologists, mm-hmm. you know, viral pathologists, people who have been frontline workers, people who have dealt with this firsthand, have the experience, expertise, education, and all of it, and their voice is removed too because it does not fall in line with the approved, approved messaging. And it reminded me of a video I think I saw yesterday over at the Daily Wire. Um, TikTok has been getting into the game. TikTok has been deleting major influencers on their platform uh, for conservative opinions. But interestingly enough, they've also been deleting channels that embrace the LGBTQ lifestyle, too. And uh, some of the speculation as to why that might be, this sort of schizophrenic approach, uh, is because their parent company is China. Let that sink in. So all of uh, you know, TikTok was the most downloaded uh, app, I guess, in 2019 or 2020. I think it was 2020, according to the video, and um, it still has deep connections back to communist China. So that is the speculation. That's what's driving their censorship. But it just reminds me: why are we? Uh, why am I having to add like uh, platforms like Odyssey, for instance? Uh, it's good to see you over there, Mike. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Odyssey. We are live streaming on Odyssey, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, of course, for as long as they'll allow us. And then we are also live streaming on our website. Why are we doing this? Uh, because we are embracing you know, the opportunity to reach a new audience digitally. But it reminds me of the glory and the beautiful uh, gift of radio. 
being able to speak the truth, to have intelligent conversation, or even having dialogue uh, with differing opinions uh, is is a breath of fresh air. It's unfortunate to see radio declining in an age of heavy tech censorship. It really is very, very troubling. Um, speaking of which, very, very troubling, there is a uh, another story out here at the Epic Times. And this is sort of a follow-up to yesterday. I mentioned the number of Americans left behind. Well, according to this Epic Times article, 1,500 Americans remain in Afghanistan. That's a very significant number, but still way less than what was reported yesterday. It says up to 1,500 Americans remain in Afghanistan after some 4,500 have been evacuated, according to a top U.S. official on August 25th. Evacuation efforts began on August 14th after the Taliban terrorist group took over the country. On that date, there were as many as 6,000 Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave the country, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told reporters in Washington. Since then, roughly 4,500 U.S. passport holders have been evacuated along with immediate family members. Over the past 24 hours, U.S. officials have been in direct contact with about 500 other Americans and provided specific instructions on how to safely get to the U.S.-held airport in Kabul. For, uh, for the remaining 1,000 or so Americans, officials are, quote, aggressively reaching out to them multiple times a day through multiple channels of communications, phones, emails, text messages, to determine if they still want to leave and to get the most up-to-date information and instructions to them for how to do so, according to Blinken. So, but there's some conflict. What are the actual numbers? We've heard as many as, many as 15,000, as low as 10, and today they're saying 1,500. I don't know, but I got to tell you, if you're that one American left behind, poof. Come September 1st, it's not going to be a good situation. I fear it's going to be, I fear that it's going to be a lot more than a thousand, to be honest with you. And uh, we have a lot to pray for because we don't want to start seeing those people held hostage. It's like the Iran deal all over again, with the exception that the instead of instead of Iran in in Kabul, in Afghanistan, the Taliban, they behead people. Let's pray that that does not happen. Amen. We'll be right back. We've got more breaking news and stories with Janice coming up, plus our conversation on heresy with Dr. Christopher Malloy is up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time, 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. This is coming from the Vatican News. The Holy See expresses deep concern over crisis in Afghanistan. The Holy See continues to follow the developments in Afghanistan with great attention and deep concern and has renewed the appeal launched by Pope Francis on August 15, calling on all people to pray with him. The Korean church marks the 200th birth anniversary of their first Catholic priest, St. Andrew Kim. The United Nations, United Nations has sent a stark message to world leaders warning that Afghanistan is facing an absolute catastrophe, including widespread hunger and financial collapse. From the Sunday Visitor, a spokeswoman with Texas Right to Life said a federal court appeal a ruling upholding the Texas dismemberment abortion ban is a long-awaited victory. Texans are celebrating. From the EWTN News, Pope Francis has sent 230,000 uh, funds to the Haiti earthquake victims. The funds will be used to assist victims uh, for immediate paternal encouragement towards the people and its territories. From VOA News, Afghan women right activists fear exclusion from public life. For some Afghan women, evacuation is a matter of life or death. Former NFL player Ben Watson shines light on pro-life issues. The dad of seven is happy to speak out against his stand, against, towards his stand on the right to life for all. The Calif California has organized its first official statewide March for Life. Previous Californian pro-life rallies were organized by cities and regions. The state of California is gearing up for its first official California March for Life. Following a brief rally, attendees will march around the state capitol building in Sacramento. The August 25th event was organized by the National March for Life organization in partnership with California Family Council. And these are your headlines for this morning. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Dr. Christopher Malloy. He is a professor at UD. He has a book coming out called uh, False Mercy, Recent Heresies, Distorting Catholic Truth. Good morning to you, Dr. Malloy. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on the program. It's good to see you again. I haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you again, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to be on. Uh, so uh, this book is coming out uh, September 28th, I think, is the release date. Who's publishing? Sophia Institute. Oh, wonderful. So like the, the listeners can go to sophiainstitute.com and place their orders. They're the 800 numbers, et cetera. Um, if you want, I could give those, but... No, yeah, that's, that's we'll the give out the link. The link is the best place to go, I'm sure. But uh, let's dive yeah. into this false mercy, uh, recent heresies, distorting Catholic truth. Now, it's interesting because there's been a lot of hot debates in Catholic spheres uh, of recently um, 
just about several stories. Like for for instance, the story about a reasonable hope that all can be saved is a big debated topic. But more recently than that, I think it was what last week the Pope made some comments uh, about the Ten Commandments being great uh, great guidelines, uh, but not ad- strictly adhered to. I think there's a lot to be said there. Uh, where what heresies in particular is your book dealing with? So, uh, well, there are two types. One is the heresy of doctrinal evolutionism. And so I do that in chapter one. And that's, you know, the expectation that we used to believe X, but in uh, 30 years, we'll believe Y, right? (laughs) So, you know, there's a movie with Martin Sheen in it, you know, where there's this renegade priest, etc. That's the kind of idea that people have. And, And, you know, so good Catholics are kind of worried, hey, could it change? And then, you know, progressives... I, I don't like using those political terms, but basically progressives are going to be like, yeah, let's let's change it. <laughs> and the truth is, no, Jesus Christ gave us his church with the faith and the church grows in her understanding. So there's development, obviously, but not alteration, watering down, throwing out something from the past that's that's dogmatic. Mm, mm, but, don't, but don't people say, uh, well, if you can prove development of any kind, then you can prove development of all kinds. Well, people say that. So. For instance, some, some of the Protestants will, you know, say just back to the Bible and some of the Orthodox, they get a tour of an Orthodox church. Beautiful. I really like it. But they're like tradition ended uh, in uh, the eighth century. Oh, nice. <laughs> so my thing is tradition was either good or bad. And tradition is understood to be a developing thing. You know, you hand on, you, you hand on and you, you know, develop, you unfold, unpack. So, for instance, Immaculate Conception. You wouldn't have seen that um, uh, say 1,200 years ago. You wouldn't have seen that, that expression, you know, say the conception of Mary, but not immaculate conception. So that's the kind of thing where the church plums it and then meditates on it and eventually is able to articulate it clearly. So immaculate conception, Holy Trinity, the word is, you know, a third century word, but it expresses the truth of the Bible. So development's good. That's the first heresy. And then every chapter after that deals with, specific errors or heresies like um faith alone uh christ was a sinner is sodomy okay now um you know is the catholic church not the one true church Mm. things like that you know it's funny you 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 mentioned um the tradition ended after 700 years i was just talking to a friend who's converting to catholicism and her dad was like you know catholics aren't in the bible but you know who is Baptist. It was John the Baptist, not John the Catholic. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that was amazing. I was that's like, that's, that's tremendous. Uh, but that was not what I wanted to ask. I just thought, just thought that was funny. Um, the thing I wanted to bring up is what exactly is a heresy? Cause we kind of have the term, we kind of throw it around. Anytime we hear something that's incorrect, we're like, heresy, that's heresy. So what exactly is heresy? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. So canon law has a precise definition. And then you can also wield it in a, in a looser sense. But you have to make clear to your reader that you're doing a looser sense. By the way, I state that in the preface. I say, you know, there's, there's different meanings. There's the meaning that a bishop wields, and that's uh, defined by canon law. And that's obstinate doubt or denial about a, de- a, fu- a defined um, uh, teaching of the faith, right? So when the church pronounces, I, I should say defined or um, infallibly uh, teaches, X, Y, or Z, as a matter of faith, that is, as a deposit of faith, which we believe, not as something um, on the, in the orbit of faith. There's a distinction. So let's say the church were to teach about evolution. Well, evolution is not 
directly in the Bible. God didn't reveal about it, yay or nay. But the church can teach on it and about aspects of it because it's around the orbit. So heresy is do- obstinate doubt or denial about the deposit of faith. Interesting. And so what about things that tend to not be clearly defined, but it seems to be a constant teaching of the church, but it's not clearly defined? Could you be consi- could that be considered heresy to speak against those kind of things? Yeah, that, that's my understanding. So um, it's much clearer if you've got a dogma where there's a definition, you know, Council of Trent, Council of Nicaea, that kind of thing. Um, but when there's a matter of constant and um, universal teaching about X being part of the faith, then to uh, doubt or deny it um, is, um, is, is, is heresy. Now, maybe you say that, you know, the per- you, you, we make a distinction between material heresy, which is a mistake. Uh, every, every heresy is going to involve a material heresy. Uh, and, and, but material heresy, formal heresy, formal heresy, the person's responsible to know versus making a mistake. So mm-hmm. I had a friend in the charismatic group, and she said, God is great, and he's getting better all the time. And I, I, remember, I remember saying, yeah, I mean, she, she's a saint. She's way holier than me, and she, she is obviously not being a heretic there. Um, but materially, I'd be like, wow, Vatican was, you know, it's all in, in all ways simple and immutable. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so we'd, we'd but she intended around. well. That's uh, right. But That's right. Uh, she probably just isn't articulate enough to understand why that would be a problem. Like why saying those sort of pious sentiments would be an issue. Yeah. And we just need to tell her, you know, we, in other words, we are more and more open to the infinite ocean of God. It's not that he's becoming a, a bigger ocean. It's not that yeah. the, the, his ocean was limited and there was all this extra space and he got bigger. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, but there are mistakes and it's good. To, I kind of, I try to take heat off at the beginning, but you know, say, isn't look, we it, make isn't, aren't the fact that there are mistakes sort of a testament to the sloppiness that has become catechesis over the past 50, uh, 60, yeah. 70 years, uh, that the lay faith, the average lay faithful, really has almost no true understanding or depth to the faith. They don't understand why making a statement like that would be uh, material heresy. Yeah, and they don't care. So there's an ethos, and that's the problem. The bigger problem is there's an ethos of not caring. So if we jump to culpability, if we, like, same thing with moral theology. If we jump right away to culpability, we're missing the boat. Like, don't we want the best for our kids? Don't we want the best for fellow parishioners, and people are just, I'm telling you, I get smart students coming to me who are running RCIA programs in the in the diocese. Maybe they're mothers of, you know, a couple of kids, and they're Dr. Malloy. So are, are things changing? And they're not <laughs> talking about, you know, so is incense going to be, you know, banned. They're talking about, like, fundamental things. I mean, I'm not saying incense is superfluous. But, you know, you get well, you get the picture. Yeah, They're talking about fundamental things. So is, is now is... um self-mutilation okay you know mm. is is um is sodomy okay uh, fundamental things do we no longer believe in the eucharist that's what they're talking about well the studies uh the, the polls the surveys seem to suggest that in fact that some of that's true we don't believe in the eucharist anymore it's still true we just aren't uh, well educated anymore and have little faith. At any rate, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Dr. Christopher Malloy is going to, going to be on after this break again. Uh, we're going to talk about his book, False Mercy, Recent Heresies, Distorting Catholic Truth. I want to dive into the can all be saved? And what about those comments of the Pope on the Ten Commandments? I want to dive into some of that and more coming up right after this break on Catholic Drive Time. Do us a favor, share us with a friend. We'll be right back. 
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Money, sex, power. They're all endlessly enticing, but never fulfilling. They always lead to a dead end. Materialism cannot satisfy. Pleasure loses its pleasure. And most people figure that out. And in desperation, they look anywhere for help. Except to the church. They look to Eastern philosophies, to spiritualism, to strange new religions. But there's only one answer to their eternal questions. They deny it. They dance around it. They run from it. But they won't try the one thing that works. They won't try it because they know what it costs. Everything. It means taking up your cross and following Jesus in all things. G.K. Chesterton says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McClain here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Dr. Christopher Malloy is our guest. He is a professor at UD. Books coming out September the 28th by Sophia Institute Press called False Mercy, Recent Heresies Distorting Catholic Truth. Uh, Good morning. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Malloy. Good morning. Good to be here. So let's dive into some of the more controversial topics, okay? Let's, uh, let's, Let's get into it. Is there a reasonable hope that all can be saved? I'm going through a book right now on hell by a Jesuit from uh, the early part. I think Adrian said he died in like 1904 or something. Right, 1800s. And, and he starts the book out by saying, you know, how could you not believe in hell? What is wrong with you? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. It's it's really, really good. Uh, and it's jam-packed. It's, uh, it's called Hell. Uh, by is fa- it Duke? Yes. Yes, oh, ex- exactly. Gosh. It's That's good. a great book. It's a great book. But he's like, so it's it's interesting, uh, not just because he's a Jesuit. Don't look at me, Adrian. I see the look in your eye. Uh, it's not just because of that, but because it's like to him, he died in 1904. To him, it's like, you'd have to be a knucklehead to not believe in hell. Like, that's his, like, he just can't fathom the idea that there's people who truly don't believe in hell. And he spends the rest of the book sort of, you know, not only just arguing it, but laying the hammer blow to that. And yet today, Dr. Malloy... There are many people who seem to suggest that everyone gets to go to heaven in the end. What say you? Yeah, so <laughs> and a lot of this is rooted in the in the work of Hans Urs von Balthasar, right? Who who is a complex story. But what I like to do is distinguish: is someone in hell, or is some are human beings in hell, or not? Yes or no? I like to put that question on the back burner when I'm looking at Balthasar because. What he does is he he mounts, you know, like eight to ten arguments in favor of the possibility that no human beings in hell. And when you look at those arguments, a lot of them are so highly problematic. You know, like like sin is a reality and Christ takes it from you, and, and then that's hell, pure sin itself, subsisting. What on earth is that? Hmm. We never we've never believed the devil is just a mass of sin. He's an angel who has like maliciously uh, anchored himself in hatred, right? So, 
so like I, I do like to distinguish the, the you know the arguments that he makes from the claim are there or are there not human beings in hell so is hell empty well there are demons there so it's not empty that's a huge point why because once we say there are demons there then we have this to reckon with god willed the salvation of the of all the angels not just of some and yet some fell away so once you got that we have to make a distinction between what god wills as it were in, in for for everyone as his as their greatest good that is salvation and what he allows what he permits and one way to word that is antecedent will and consequent will. He, God doesn't have two wills, but he does permit some to fall away. Mm-hmm. So then when it comes to us, now, by the way, what does Balthazar say about this distinction between um, God allowing and, and willing and permitting? He doesn't like it. He hates it. And I'm thinking, well, if the devil is there, so what does he say about the devil? Well, normally he says the devil is, you know, the devil is the devil, and he's not getting out. But sometimes he says odd things that you, you can't quite make sense of. Mm. So let's go to human beings. Once you make this distinction that God does will all the salvation of everyone, including Hitler, till the day he died, uh, but he permits some to fall away. Once you make that distinction, then, then a lot of things fall away. Like Balthazar says, well, if anyone's in hell, then God's going to be eternally tragic. The answer is no, no, he's not going to be eternally tragic. He truly willed the salvation. He offered the sufficient grace. They failed. And so his justice punishes them. He's perfectly uh, loving in that situation, perfectly just, and he's not torn up. <laughs> you see, there's a lot yeah. of anthropomorphism that goes with yeah. Balthazar's arguments. And in a 10-minute radio show, I can't, I can't get into the nuance of Balthazar, mm. but that, that kind of gets the basics out there. So the that's interesting that we're talking about this the the book dare we hope that all men be saved you know there we used to have a, a, a index of forbidden books and on this index of forbidden books not every book there was just like the worst book ever it was about preserving the sanctity of our of the lay people and keeping them away from things that will be damaging to their souls and so you could get permission as a theologian as a priest you could get permission from your bishop to read books on the on the index of forbidden books uh, if you had a good enough reason the problem is today i have a friend uh, who's a very close friend of mine who does not have any background in theology, does not have, has not been well read in theology, has uh, not read St. Francis de Sales, hasn't read uh, the sermons of uh, Leonard of Port Maurice on the fewness of the saved or anything like this. Yet he picks up the book, Dare We Hope That All Men Be Saved. And that's his introduction to the theology on hell and to the theology of salvation, his soteriology. All this is starting point was dare we hope that all men be saved. And so now he has this perverted idea of theology, of soteriology from the get-go. Can you speak on that kind of mentality in the whole world? Because this happens constantly where we pick up these books that are damaging, and that's the only place we get our theology. That is such a huge problem. That's why I, I say there, I do not recommend picking him up and reading. Yes, there's in some ways, he's unbelievably fabulous. That's why people, that's why your friend is taken up. He is a, he is a literary master. He's, he's on the order of James Joyce as a master of the mind. So you go and read him, especially if you're into poetry and that kind of thing, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're dealing with someone who is superior to you in intelligence, and he is going to paint a worldview and take you into it. Now, is that a good one? 
<laughs> That's the question. <laughs> In some ways, radically, no. Better to pick up John Harden catechism. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the basics. We, we've been, we have so lost the, the, the roots. Now, we can't really do a forbidden books list anymore. You know, we could do a recommendedly for forbidden books, but because there's things are out there, it's out of control, the press, the internet. We've, just, we've ceded too much territory to the secular world. Well, it, it's just that, this, that the world has too many uh, roads in to us. So what do we need? We need to cultivate prudent. Mm. Um, we need to go back to tradition and get back to these things like Ludwig Ott, Fundamentals, John Harden here. That that book on hell, and he's also got one in Purgatory, Father Shoup. Yeah. Incredible, highly... This is the thing. We need to hammer home the saints. We need to, as you're saying, looking at the, on the funus of the saved, uh, Adrian, look at these texts and, and get them out there. And, and by the way, the other thing is, here's a temptation. The other, the other angle of my book is grouchy Catholics. I, I, I've <laughs> been one. I probably still am one. But we, we need to not be too grouchy because things are really bad and it's easy to get just curmudgeonly. Yeah. And we need to remember, wait a minute. Jesus Christ came to save me. I'm a sinner. I've sinned. And he shed his blood for me. I just want to, I want to be in those wounds and Amen. and go to heaven. And also, I'm I'm I am angry about confusion. So we need to put the anger in the confu- in, in the context of love. Amen. Yeah. Praise be to God. You know, one last thing on this hell topic. Uh, have you ever read the Apocalypse of Saint Peter? No. Oh, do I do? Do I have to read it? You need to read it. Uh, when I, uh, I when I was going through my uh, conversion to the church, I read everything I could find from the uh, first and second century, and, uh, and it, even if they were apocryphal or or insane, like the Gospel of Judas and Mary Magdalene, I read all that stuff. I read it all, everything I could get my hands on. The Apocalypse of St. Peter was fascinating. Uh, because it was used in Easter liturgies in the Eastern Church for many centuries until it was finally expelled because it was obvious it wasn't written by St. Peter. Uh, but the first half is a passion, which is beautiful and I think amazing. But the second half is very interesting. It's more like Dante's Inferno. You, you go mm. on a journey to hell, uh, but here's the key. The key. You have a, an image of a lake of fire and people uh, burning in the lake of fire being tortured. And then on the bank of the lake are all the children that had been aborted just staring at them while they burn. Let that sink in. And we're talking, I think this was like a fourth century document. Uh, but here's the real kicker. At the end, everybody in heaven felt so bad for everybody in hell. They begged God, please have mercy. Hell opens up. Everybody in heaven comes down, surrounds hell, and then they all together go back to heaven. Like Toy Story. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and this was a document that was like uh, debated in the early church about uh, whether or not it was uh, inspired or should be, con- and it was read at masses until, like I said, it was eventually kicked out. And uh, so this debate isn't new, but ultimately, Holy Mother Church has spoken. There's a hell. It's real. People go there. Unfortunately, too many people go there, and we should uh, we should be careful. With just a few minutes left, I want to transition to uh, to the Pope's statements on the Ten Commandments last week. Did you catch that? Uh, yes, I did. I haven't read it thoroughly, but I, I have read it. And I've seen what people say. I, I think some people have misconstrued uh, it a little bit. But yeah, but but the, the fundamental thing is there are Ten Commandments, and they're not wiggly. And uh, as Trent says, he, he issued, Jesus Christ issued uh, a new law, which is even more strict, as St. Irenaeus says, than the, than the old law. But he gives us the grace and the forgiveness the, the grace to live it, the forgiveness to get past our failures. 
Yeah. So, so, so just what's a, the ambiguity just, about that, you know? And, yeah. and but but then the, but of course the way it is is so I, it's like um, uh, what is it here? Um, I I observe the commandments, but not as absolutes. It's like, it's just like what I don't understand what that means. That's that's the question. And people the catechism itself tells us we have to adhere to the the ten commandments, let yeah. alone sacred scripture tradition. I mean, it it is uh, it is a troubling statement. I think. Yeah. You can what does say it mean least. to say they're not absolutes? I mean, they they are. What what does that mean? Does it mean there's no forgiveness? No, of course there's forgiveness. I mean, so, I mean, what does it mean? It it, it but it has the flavor of once saved, always saved. Yeah, or uh, it's you know, offensive or faith to pious ears. You can put away the because once saved, always saved is not Lutheran, but uh, is Calvinist. But you know, it has the faith alone kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it will worry people. So you need to exp- uh, the way I explain it. So, the, OK, the way my book deals with things like this, it'll say, well, I'm not exactly sure what that means. But I do know that Council of Trent has made it very clear that Jesus Christ is a lawgiver. Come on. And, Are we quoting Council of Trent still? Hasn't oh, that, yeah. Isn't that gone? I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> Don't send me the hate mail. All right. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, the, the book is called False Mercy, Recent Heresies Distorting Catholic Truth by Dr. Christopher Malloy. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. It'll be released on the 28th of September. Check it out. Uh, but Dr. Malloy, thank you for your time today. God bless you and God love thank you. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. If you are able to join us in the second hour, we're going to have the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Praise be to God. Prizes are at stake. And in the second half of the hour, we're going to talk with Philip Lawler from CatholicCulture.org about vaccinations, religious exemptions, and the rest. All that coming up next hour. For those of you who are able to join us at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There was no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55 and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now let's see, there were 11 apostles at the time, 
Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. We just... Wrapped up a great conversation with Dr. Christopher Malloy. He is a professor at UD. He's got a book coming out, uh, False Mercy, Recent Heresies, Distorting Catholic Truth. Now, Dr. Malloy uh, used to be a co-host with our colleague, Dave Palmer, who uh, is the executive director of our North Texas English operations. And uh, uh, so we haven't talked to him in a long time. It was good to have him on. It was good to see him again. And we got to get him back on more often. He was a uh, a very good interview. Praise be to God. Uh, his book is coming out uh, September the 28th. You should check it out at Sophia Institute Press. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back on the show. Yes. Uh, what did you think of that interview? It was interesting. I had never heard of him um, uh, uh, before in his book. Uh, never heard of the book neither. So that was really insightful to hear. Yeah, praise be to God. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, conversation that is go- like more and more these days. I don't remember so many conversations about heresies as much as like the last couple of years. Yeah, and I did uh, some a question that just came to my mind was asking him what 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 he thinks are the top like three heresies in our current age right now. Like yeah. what what should we be vigilant uh, against? Well, I think we nailed at least one of those, and that was the one on hell. Yeah, I, I think sure. I think it's egalitarianism, um, Gnosticism, and Manichaeism. And Manich- that's what I think. Speaking of Manichaeans, mm-hmm. uh, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. <laughs> you lo- love those uh, uh, love those Manichaeans. St. Augustine. Hashtag St. Augustine. Gotta love hammer Manichaeans. of Manichaeans. You know, so that was one of the points in uh, Father Shroop's uh, SJ's book. Uh, it was about if you're gonna if you're going to invent the doctrine of hell. Like, if you were going to invent Christianity, why would you include hell? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, like it's like because of Manichaeans and, and the heretics and the, and the Gnostics who were always trying to get rid of the, pun- the consequences and punishments of sin uh, so they can give themselves a pass and excuse for carnal pleasures. 
you know, you would, of course, want to get rid of hell, right? You, you, you want all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. At any rate, you should check out that conversation. We'll be posting it at some point on our YouTube uh, Odyssey now. We're, we're hanging out on Odyssey. We're also on uh, Gab and, and uh, let's see, where else? Rumble, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. So all the links can be found on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Check out the interview with Dr. Christopher Malloy coming up soon. All right. In this hour, we have the game show coming up, 15 past, and uh, your opportunity to win prizes. And I'm looking at the questions, and I'm pretty sure these are all easy question Thursdays today. Yep. And in fact, these are repeat questions. Lately, I've been using repeat questions, questions we've already used. So you should be able to know these. Uh, your chances uh, is going to be pretty good at 15 past. Make sure you have the phone number handy and we'll be ready to call in when I give it out or look for it on our website, too. At a 30 past the hour, when we say goodbye to you on the radio, praise be to God, uh, we will stay on our live video feed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey and elsewhere. And we will have Philip Lawler on our, as a guest, as a special guest in our after show today. Uh, CatholicCulture.org is the website he blogs on. And we're going to be having conversations around church authority, vaccination mandates, and all of that at 30 past the hour with Phil Lawler. So it's going to be a jam-packed show today in, the, for, in this hour. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of it. And don't forget, go to the website if you'd like to hang out live and comment, or just go to one of our social feeds, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's get started and pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From the Vatican News, the Vatican Radio is celebrating its 90th anniversary with new services. As the Pope's Radio celebrates its 90th anniversary, the directors of the Vatican Radio announced the creation of a new website and a 24-hour web radio. Crux now, the economy of Francesco, a movement inspired by Pope Francis, is calling for a global march in favor of Afghan women on August 28th to shine the spotlight on their flight and the recent Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. Federal court upholds Texas abortion ban. Former NFL player Ben Watson shines light on pro-life issues. The dad of seven is happy to speak out about his stand on the right to life for all. From Texas Catholic, Pope Francis encouraged new course of action for parishes to help people understand the importance of Sunday Mass and parish ministries, a top Vatican official wrote in a message. California organizes its first statewide March for Life. Following a brief rally, attendees will march around the state capitol building in Sacramento this August 25th event will be organized by the March for Life organization in partnership partnership with California Family Council. From LifeSite News, Canada will pay funeral expenses of those 
families killed by COVID-19 vaccines. The Canadian government has allocated $75 million to provide death benefits for those killed by COVID-19 jabs this past year. LifeSite News social media platform Gab launches Novax Mandate Job Board. The all-tech platform wants to help users find a job that does not impose a COVID-19 vaccine mandate. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a great Thursday. The saint of the day is St. Orontius of Lecce. He was born in 22 AD in Lecce, Italy. He was son of Publius a Roman imperial treasurer and uncle of St. Fortutanus, and it was converted by the shipwrecked St. Paul the Apostle. He was a Roman imperial treasurer, and upon his father's death, he took over. He He was denounced as a Christian and was ordered to sacrifice to idols he refused. He was then arrested, stripped of his office, whipped and exiled to Corinth, where he met up with St. Paul again. He was consecrated as the first bishop of the hometown of Lecce, Italy. He returned to the town during during the persecution of Nero and was arrested again in order to denounce Christianity. He refused. And after some time in prison, he managed to get released again. And like a crazy person, he goes out and immediately resumes preaching in the areas of Brindisi and Bari. And praise be to God, he became a martyr he got the axe. He was beheaded with an axe on the 26th of August in six, uh, 68 AD, a couple miles outside of Lecce, Italy. St. Orontius of Lecce, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 51. Jesus said to his disciples, Stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too, you also must be prepared. For at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. Who then is the faithful and prudent servant whom the master has put in charge of his household to distribute to them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on his arrival finds doing so. Amen. I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is long delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eat and drink with drunkards, the servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish him severely and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Rabanu said and, and Origin and Jerome. And, oh, this was amazing today. Rabanu said, The Lord is Christ. The household over which he appoints is the Catholic Church. It is hard then to find one man who is both faithful and wise, but not impossible. Augustine said, That day comes to each one of us when it comes to him to go out of the world, such as he shall be judged. And therefore ought every Christian to watch that the Lord's coming may not find him unprepared. 
and he will be unprepared for the day of his coming, whom the last day of his life shall find unprepared. Notice what he's repeating over and over again, unprepared, be prepared. That's Augustine's words. Uh, Adrian, what did you find? Yes, this is one of my favorite passages. And actually, I there's a talk I give uh, parishes I've done several times on this exact topic. I call it like the end is near. You know, referring to, you know, the end times conspiracies, you know, the world's going to end in 2012. And the way that I, I format it is I always talk about how, you know, okay, you know, people are always predicting the end of the world's coming. Yet, we don't realize we, our end of the world is going to happen probably sooner than we think. And that's the crazy thing because our Lord says here, stay awake, stay awake. What does that mean? Well, uh, Joe talked about a couple things. I want to bring up a couple other things regarding in the same in the same vein. You know, the day that we have, we know two things. One, death is certain. And two, the moment of death is uncertain. Those are the two things we know. And so the uh, Cornelius Lapide talks about how all the philosophers, even the pagan philosophers talked about this, that it was a famous thing among the uh, satirist uh, and the pre-Socratics to talk about, you know, eternity is coming, death is coming, and time flies. So we need to meditate on death. Now, that was a common statement in the pre-Socratics before Christ was even born. So, what is said here, Cornelius Lapide gives a great exhortation. I highly recommend going and checking out his commentary today because it's too more than I can uh, cover. But he says, the devil, therefore, in order that he take away this, the stimulus of uncertainty, gets rid of it by degrees. Now, this tries into what we were talking about earlier in the last hour. What does he say? We talked about heresy tries to take little bites at a time. You know, you got to give small heresies because if he comes out and says, don't worry, you're going to live forever. Don't worry about it. People are going to be like, well, we know people die. I mean, I observe that people die all the time. But what does Cornelius Lapide say? He says, no. What the devil does, though, is he says, oh, you're not going to die today. You'll probably be next year. The next year comes around, well, you're not going to die today. It's going to be next year. And every year, he's going to keep reminding you, not this year. This year is not the year you're going to die. It's going to be next year. And so you put off, you put off your time. And he says, the devil will come to you and he say, you are in very good health. You will not die this year. And that's the words that the devil will whisper in your ear. And Cornelius Lapide goes on to talk about, because of this, people say, no, I'll get my affairs in order next year and next year and next year. Until you never do it because the devil just wants to take a little bite. All it takes to drag you to hell is one mortal sin. That's it. One mortal sin is all it takes to drag you to hell. He said, according to Lapide, quote, St. Athanasius, he says that we should be ready to die. Quote, it may be that thou shalt die this year or this day. Therefore, so live as if thou wert to die today. When we awake out of sleep, let us be in doubt whether we shall see the evening. When we lay down to rest, let us not be confident that we will come to see the light of another day. This is great. This is a beautiful prayer that people say uh, before bed. We used to say this when I was uh, with the friars every night. We would pray that, you know, that we have a good death. Why? Because whenever we lay down to go to bed, that we may not wake up. Every time we go to sleep, this is why our Lord says, stay awake. Because when we sleep, when we're asleep, we are in the arms of our Lord. We're in the protection of the guardian angel, and we may never wake up. We don't know. And so we should be prepared to see the last minute, and we should prepare to see our judgment. I highly recommend go and check out the full commentary on this part because it's excellent and something that needs to be meditated on. Amen. I love that so much, Adrian. That's a great um, comment. I was just going to say that reminds me of Synovo Mission as something that we don't really talk about as much anymore. 
Praise be to God. Thank you to Verboom.com forward slash GRN for giving us the tools necessary to dive into the commentary. That's Verboom with the V, V-E-R-B-U-M.com forward slash GRN. Uh, but it's time to play the, the game. Fear and Trembling, your opportunity to, uh, to win prizes is upon you. All you need to do is be our caller at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith and the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise. Be to God and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. Just keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do. Number one, we like to teach the faith and we look for teachable moments in the questions. So you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have fun. We like to laugh and our contestants tend to be a really good time, laughing with us, being great sports about it, and we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we give out prizes. So it's kind of a winner for everybody involved. But here's the deal if you're just joining us. I do, in fact, have three official Catholic trivia questions in my hand, and uh, we do not 
ask the caller these questions, which means they don't need to know answers in order to still win our game. They could know none of these and win the prize in the end. Praise be to Jesus. That's because I won't ask them. I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize, which we will pull out a name tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day. But Janice, what could they win? So today's sponsor um, is uh, this week's Sanctus Co. It's a Catholic apparel and flag. Uh, so they're giving away a polyester knitted fabric flag. Um, it's a beautiful Vatican Vatican flag, uh, something that you can use to decorate your home or a, a room in your home or your front porch. Uh, it's very beautiful. Uh, Sanctus Co. is the name of the company. And they have their website is sanctusco.com. Yeah, praise be to God. Hey, for those of you who tried to call in today and don't make it on, thank you for doing that. We really appreciate uh, you calling. But to try tomorrow. Tomorrow, one last opportunity to get in on the prize pack. And call in early, and uh, praise God for it. Let's go to Jocelyn. Good morning to you. Thanks for being in our program. Say hello. Hi. Hello, Jocelyn. Jocelyn, how old, how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. Praise be to God. Are you on your way to school? I am. And w- where do you go to school? St. Paul's. St. Paul's. Well, we're very glad to have you on our program today. Now, where you're? So that's like the Mesquite. Uh, Texas area? Richardson. Richardson. All right. All right. Well, praise be to God. Now, Jocelyn, are you familiar with how the game is played? Do you know the rules? I do. Do you think Adrian or Janice will be trickier today? Um, Adrian? <laughs> it's, yeah, truth. It's truth. It's, I'm Adrian hearing a lot of uh, doubts. Out of all for, the tricky people. For the dear, dear Adrian. Mm, no, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a uh, the straw poll has guy. proven, I think, <laughs> that uh, you are the trickiest of all tricky people. But let's play the game, Jocelyn. Hopefully you're ready to go. We are going to get started here and see if we can't get you in that coffee cup and maybe give you the prize this week. But uh, here we go. We're going to start with Janice. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes, positive. Are you sure? Yes. Or now you're making me feel unsure. Janice, can you tell me? <laughs> What is the month of the Holy Infancy? Um, Holy Infancy. So, um, I would think it's the month of the birth of Jesus. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. December, I think, uh, since Jesus was born, you know, he was a baby, and sure, sure. December 25th. Yeah, seems I reasonable. I would think it's December. Yeah, yeah, seems reasonable. I think I there's, could see it. Yeah. I could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get a second opinion just in case. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the month of the Holy Infancy? Yes. Uh, you know, Easter is uh, the resurrection of Christ, you know, huh. new day of creation. Hmm. So I'm going to say, and that usually falls around May. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to say May. May? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Now like I'm, Mother May I? Wow. Okay. Okay, Jocelyn, let me summarize Mother for you. Mother, so, so, so here's the deal. Adrian seems to think that the month of the Holy Infancy is in May or sometime around Easter. Whereas uh, Janice seems to think that it's the month of December for the Holy Infancy. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right, Janice or Adrian? What say you, Jocelyn? 
Who is that? Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> well done. There you go. Correct. Well done. Yes. Praise <laughs> be to God. Yes. God, <laughs> May. Good grief. <laughs> Easter. Adrian with his uh, tricky, tricky answers. In fact, Janice is right. It's December. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Christmas, you know, nativity. It kind of goes. I mean, together. there's a feast day called the Holy, the Feast yeah. of Holy Innocence. Right. On that day, on that month. So. <laughs> what a wonderful thing for us to keep in mind the Holy Infancy all month long, right? In December. All right, so let's go on. You're in the cup, Jocelyn. Congratulations. You might win, but I think we can double your chances. And again, these are questions we've used before. So if you're a longtime listener, you probably already know the answers. But let's see. This one could be tricky. Uh-oh. Adrian, we're going to go with you. Adrian, can you tell me how many choirs of angels are in the celestial hierarchy? Nine. I'm sorry, what? Nine. That was awfully fast. Yep. Do you want to armies? Do you need to think about it or? Nope, nine. Nine. Mm-hmm. You seem very <laughs> confident. Nine. One more one more than eight and one less than ten. Interesting. That's my answer. Interesting. <laughs> uh, those are the kind of answers parents give their kids. Okay, so nine. You're 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 sold on nine. I'm sold on nine. Nine. Not not budging. Not budging. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's go to Janice. Janice, can you tell me how many choirs of angels are there in the celestial hierarchy? I would say seven because seven is a holy number and there's like seven sacraments and Jesus is constantly talking about uh, mm. seven days, seven, mm. you know, like uh, the number seven is, is is known as a holy number throughout scripture. So, wow. We're like deep into like number symbology here. Yeah. <laughs> seven sacraments, seven choirs of angels, but nine. I mean, we pray a novena, right? Uh, Nine choirs. I don't know. But Jocelyn, here's the summary. Uh, Janice seems to think there are seven choirs of angels, whereas Adrian says there are nine choirs of angels. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jocelyn, what say you? Adrian. Adrian. Yeah. Wow. Not even. She got it. No problem. She knew. She knew. She was like... Obviously, nine. Nine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uncomfortable admitting yeah. Adrian is right, usually publicly, but uh, in fact, he is right. Jo- did you guys know that? I mean, was that an obvious one? Yeah, we knew that. Seraphim, cherubim, powers, angels, archangels. Yeah, we're pretty Catholic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was amazing. I Praise pray every, every day. I pray to the uh, nine choirs of angels. Amazing. Praise be Very to Jesus. Oh, well, congratulations. Uh, well done. Well done. You're in for two. This next one, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This could be tricky. It could be super easy. We'll just have to see. But I think we can triple your chances in this cup here. Let's go back to Janice. Janice, can you tell me, what famous Catholic Italian physician originated a revolutionary method of educating young people at the beginning of the 20th century? Um... So I actually have a lot of family members who are educators. Uh, my sister's an educator, my brother-in-law, my husband. I used to be an educator. So um, you should know this. Though. Yes. There's like zero excuse for you not knowing this. 
Uh, so I would say Maria Montessori because okay. I mm-hmm. uh, I know she had a great love for children and she was a physician and she loved. Okay. Uh, she, I think she was Catholic too. So it seems reasonable. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Mm. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what famous Catholic Italian physician originated a revolutionary method of educating young children at the beginning of the 20th century? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. 100%. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, hmm. Um, let's go with uh, Alberto Scorfano. He took you forever just to get there. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm I don't sorry. Know, I don't know why Janice is laughing. What is she laughing at? What's his name again? Alberto Scorfano. Alberto Scorfano. Mm-hmm. 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 Seems reasonable. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. What do I know? I don't speak Italian. You know, it, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, all right. So here's the deal, Jocelyn. Fredo. It's uh, <laughs> Adrian is on the hook for Alberto Scorfano, <laughs> and uh, Janice is on the hook for somebody called Maria Montessori. I don't know. Uh, Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jocelyn, what say you? I'm sorry. Say it again. Denise. Janice, is that your? I was gonna say, is that your final answer? Of course. Duh. Oh my goodness. Duh. <laughs> Who is Alberto Scorfano, Adrian? And I think the question implied it was a woman physician. Uh, or, oh no, it, no, no, it actually no, doesn't. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> still, who is Alberto Scorfano, Adrian? <laughs> He's he's a uh, cartoon character from a Disney movie. Oh, is that right? <laughs> oh, man. I tell you but what. I should have said Fredo. That would have been funny. Yeah, been Fred- <laughs> but you guys knew that. I, I could tell you guys were on top of it. Well. well so. per- you're in for three. Perfect score today. Congratulations, you guys. Were those questions too tricky for you, or do you think they were pretty easy? They weren't so hard. They were pretty easy. Not so hard. Well... Who knows? You could be the winner. Praise be to God. Congratulations. We're going to put you in the cup three times. We're going to uh, put you on hold so we get your phone number just in case it be God's will that you are the winner. But maybe, just maybe tomorrow, Jocelyn, your name will come out of that cup. And uh, if it be God's will, we'll announce it live on the radio. So you'll have to tune back in. But have a great day at school today. Thank you. Praise be to God. God bless you. God love you. And uh, that is going to do it for the radio show. Uh, side of our program. If you're able to join us for the after show, we're live streaming to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, our very own webpage, and now Odyssey. We are live streaming to Odyssey, odyssey.com. Not a lot of people know about it, but uh, we're there, and you can find the links to everything on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Phil Lawler is coming up next. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome 
to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual. Hashtag Fredo. Uh, hashtag Fredo. Uh, about the conversation. And uh, here's the deal. So I invited Phil Lawler to be on with us, and we're expecting him at any moment. He's just getting out of uh, mass and getting set up, probably. So he'll probably jump on here in a moment. And um, we're going to have a conversation around a couple of his blog posts in relation to church authority and vaccinations. So it's not going to be our normal after show program. We're going to have the conversation with Phil, and then we're going to record that and play it during one of our regular guest segments on our radio program at some point, either tomorrow or this coming week. But that is the deal. So uh, the normal after show routine is going to be paused just a bit today. But I do want to give a real quick couple of shout outs to Mike K commenting over on Odyssey. Thanks for watching live over on Odyssey, man. We really appreciate you um, doing that. Praise be to God. Uh, but of course, uh, 93 and Jeff Burr and the Burrier family, good morning to you. Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. David L. from New Hampshire. Yes, we are, uh, we are looking for, for, <laughs> we're obviously tempting fate with having a conversation around vaccines on this particular YouTube platform, right? Um, they don't really love that. But, uh, either way, we, we have to talk about the issues that matter. Uh, William Hemsworth, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Angelo, Christopher Velasquez, good morning. Uh, Justina Burrier, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Tammy, good morning to you. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Buddy, canine, good morning. Patty, good morning. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Ubi, it's good to see you. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Lori and Jesus Robles and Christopher uh, Chance, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out. Joaquin, good morning. Uh, praise be to Jesus. It's good to see you guys. Uh, let's see who else. Real quick, real quick. I'm scrolling backwards. There was a new commenter, but Facebook's cutting off the old comments. It was like a brand new commenter, and I forget their name now. Uh, I'm not able to scroll backwards. Sorry. Nicola, good morning to you. Praise be to God. All right, with that said, let's invite our guest on. Phil Lawler, good morning to you. He is uh, an author, uh, speaker, and a blogger over catholicculture.org. Uh, Phil, good morning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to have you back on. You've got a couple of blog posts on this particular topic. I read part of one the other day, and and I wanted to have an opportunity to conversate with you. We've seen, uh, as of last several months, uh, a heating uh, and a debating, a schism even, to some degree within the church, a divide happening right before our eyes, uh, and the biggest culprit may not be just tradition. It's more likely to be the vaccines. And what the church teaches and doesn't teach about things like charity and vaccines and mandates and and whatnot. And I wanted to get your take on that. And so with that said, uh, how should we begin to even understand this concept? Well, there are different things in play here. There is the fact that all of the vaccines currently available in the United States were developed using, one way or another, uh, fetal tissues taken from abortion. And that is morally objectionable. The church has always taught and still teaches that is morally objectionable. There's no debate about that. There's also the uh, very strong pressure to get vaccinated in the belief that that is good for that. That serves the common good because it will curb the spread of COVID. That is debatable and it's being debated. And now we have a lot of statements from church authorities telling us that we as Catholics should be vaccinated. Uh, And in some cases, as in the Archdiocese of Chicago, insisting that all priests and church employees must be vaccinated. 
Uh, and to my mind, this is a clear violation. Uh, the, the compulsory violation is a clear violation, compulsory vaccination is a clear violation of what the church teaches and has always taught that vaccination must be voluntary. Mm. You know, Phil, I was uh, talking, I was looking at the, on Twitter, and they were sharing this article from America Magazine. And in the article, they was talking about how the fact that we are required by pain of sin to get the vaccine. They said it is a sin of omission to not get the vaccine. And that shocked me because we don't talk about sin of omission at all anymore. No one talks about sin of omission. We barely talk about sin in general, yet if you decide not to get the vaccine, that can be a sin of omission. Can you speak on that? That's frankly, that's outrageous. That's an outrageous abuse of the conscience of the individual. You have a right to decide for yourself what sort of medical treatment you want. You have a right to decide for yourself what is injected into your body. And you can make the argument that you should get vaccinated. That's a plausible argument. I understand that argument. I have no complaint with the people who decide that they should get vaccinated and do. I'm not arguing against them. I'm arguing against the people say it's compulsory because there is no way you can reconcile that with what the church teaches. In Chicago, Cardinal Supich is requiring vaccination and he's citing a document from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith at the Vatican. It's, I don't know that you would say it's an authoritative magisterial do document, but it's the closest we have. And it applies specifically to COVID. And it says absolutely clearly, it must be voluntary. To say that you are sinning by not doing something that's voluntary is is just a gross abuse of the conscience. And the thing that blows my mind is that these bishops, a lot of these bishops like Cardinal Supich and others, you know, they never stand up against uh, grave evils that are happening in the culture. They don't stand up against, they don't take a hard stand on almost anything. Yet the vaccine issue, for some reason, like I, I would never have guessed if someone had told me five years ago, two years ago, that the issue that all the bishops would rally behind and start pushing was that they wanted everybody to get a vaccine for a virus. I would be shocked. So how is it that these, why do these bishops care so much about the vaccine? That's a good question. I can only speculate that it has something to do with their priorities and their priorities appear to be more along the lines of being seen as community leaders than as being true to the gospel and the perennial teachings of the church. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot of public pressure for vaccination, a whole lot of, of public encouragement at every level, in the government, in the big corporations, in the media, in academic life. Everyone is calling on you to be vaccinated. Uh, it would be countercultural to suggest otherwise. And yet, the church says you have a right to decide for yourself. And by the way, the bishop can tell you, can set down principles of what is and is not moral. Uh, he cannot tell you what to do with your own medical care. He can't base his judgments on medical expertise because he doesn't have medical expertise. If you have a medical problem, you talk to your doctor, not to your pastor. That's mm. appropriate. Uh, your pastor can lay down guidelines 
And in fact, the church has laid down guidelines in medical cases, for instance, saying that in the case of someone who is terminally ill, you don't have to take extraordinary means uh, to save a life when it really well, all you're doing is prolonging death. Now, what is extraordinary means? Well, that's up to you to decide. That's up to the caregiver, to the family, to the person who is suffering. It's not a decision that a pastor or much less a bishop can make. You have to make these decisions for yourself. And you have to decide for yourself whether a vaccination is good for you and good for the people around you. Bill Lawler is our guest, catholicculture.org. You should check it out. He's got a couple of great uh, articles over there on this topic that we're conversating mm-hmm. about. But one of the things that that has really bugged me was our ability to even have the conversation. We're talking about this on a platform that is likely going to strike us yet again uh, because we dared to talk about vaccines. One of the last times we talked about vaccines was with Christopher Farrar from St. Thomas More Society about the legality of firing employees because they they choose not to get uh, vaccinated or they want uh, they they pursue a religious exemption. And uh, our our hosts on the platform said, you're not allowed to say that. And they struck us. Now, what's interesting is I know people because they've been emailing me who listen to this show and they are in this very circumstance. They're losing their job because they're not vaccinated and they claim a religious exemption. And the response is, but your pope says otherwise. And then they don't recognize their religious exemption, leaving these people with the only choice of going to court, which costs tons of money and time, and very few people will have that opportunity. Uh, How do we respond when the hierarchy all the way up to the top seems to contradict what we are saying about our religious exemptions? Well, it's not the whole hierarchy. You will find bishops who are saying what I'm saying, which is that it doesn't have to be compulsory. You see the bishops in, that it mustn't be compulsory, rather. You see the bishops in Colorado saying that. You see the bishop in Spokane saying that. I think the bishop in, Archbishop in San Francisco is saying that. When you have a disagreement among bishops, it's legitimate. It is called probabilism for a good Catholic to decide which of those bishops makes more sense to him. But as for the question of authority, it is possible that the bishops in general think that this is a good vaccination is a good idea. Uh, That doesn't mean that you have to think it's a good idea. If you in conscience believe that you should not take the vaccine, which is my position, I do not believe that I could take a vaccine, this vaccine in good conscience. Now, the church says very clearly to me, you cannot go against your conscience. It doesn't matter if the Pope says you can do it. If your conscience says you can't, you can't. So that is your religion telling you you can't take the vaccine. So it seems to me that is material for a religious exemption. If my conscience says I can't do it, my church says don't do it. If your conscience says you can't, well, then my church is telling me not to take the vaccine. And yet the only way to ensure that we have that opportunity is probably to go to court. And how many people will have that opportunity? I don't think very, very few people will actually take the time or nor have the the financial resources to go to court to oppress their rights on this issue. And I think that basically what we're going to see is the mandates get in, they get what they want anyway at the end of the day. But here's what I see coming down the road. And I'd love for your comment on that. I see more schism and more division in the church. We have dioceses that say you have to be vaccinated. We have dioceses that say you don't, and we're going to help you with those 
religious exemptions. Little Rock, uh, in your you quote Little Rock in your most recent article, The Misuse of Church Authority on Vaccination over at CatholicCulture.org. A Little Rock is among the, the latest diocese to, to come out and say, we're not going to help. We're going to tell our priests they can't assist their parishioners. Um, do you see a day where this becomes a, a truly divisive, where there's going to be the the, uh, the the vaccine-mandated churches and then the non-vaccine-mandated churches? It kind of reminds me of the Aaron heresy of the early centuries. I, I, I don't see it going that way, although we have so much conflict and confusion in the church. I'm hesitant to make any prediction. I, I can see a, a, a lot heavier conflict coming in, in some dioceses, um, and I think that this will be one of the issues that provokes the controversy. But can I just go back and say something about why we got to this point? Because as I said at the outset, I think the first thing when I came on, I said the church has always taught that using vaccines, the vaccine, deriving vaccines through the use of fetal tissue is immoral. These are tainted, morally tainted vaccines. A year ago, more than a year ago, 18 months ago, I was saying, and I wasn't alone, we have to make sure that if a vaccine comes out, it is not developed by these immoral means. Where was the outcry then from church leaders? Where was their effort to organize a powerful voice and say, we're not going to take these vaccines if they are derived immorally? Or now, the church teaches, and this is quite clear in anything you get from the Vatican from 2005 through today, that these vaccines, if you take them under duress, if you take them because you feel it's a grave necessity, you still have a moral obligation to object to the way they were derived and to ask the pharmaceutical companies to produce vaccines morally. Where are the outcries? Where yes. are the bishops telling us? Exactly. Okay. You may get vaccinated, but after you get vaccinated, make sure your voice is heard. And here's how. And we'll organize. Where is that voice? Yeah, it's. I was just making this point. I think it was yesterday. Um, you know, we have an obligation to say we need uh, therapies and and medicines that don't involve the aborted fetal the the babies lost in abortion and. Uh, and we, as you just said, we're almost seeing no outcry whatsoever. However, uh, we are, we do have access to therapies that have nothing to do with the abortion industry. Uh, these medicines that have been proven by these doctors working these cases in the ERs and ICUs and hospitals all over planet Earth. And they become so politicized, these particular therapies, that I can tell you firsthand when we call pharmacies near our home to try to obtain these from our, our doctor's prescription, we are told, no, you can't have those. You have the vaccine instead. I mean... There's no downside to these therapies. They can't harm you otherwise, but they might be able to help you. In fact, they've proven to do so, and doctors ask for them, and pharmacists are saying, no, we aren't going to fill these, these prescriptions. It seems I'm, like diabolical confusion to me at I'm every I'm hearing level. the same thing, and I'm hearing from friends who have asked for, who have prescriptions from doctors, go to a pharmacy, and the pharmacist refuses to fulfill the prescription, uh, because he thinks it's being used against COVID, and he's no doubt he's right. Uh, but, you know, if a pharmacist refuses to, to fulfill a prescription for the morning after birth control pill, which is an abortifacient, he's going to lose his license. 
So how is this? This it, it. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pharmacist. I'm not a scientist. But I see in this uh, tremendous. Uh, well, it's an abuse of science too, because we're being told not to listen to some medis- medical evidence, only to listen to some other medical evidence, only to produce a certain kind of remedy, etc. It's troubling. Um, it's to me the confusion at every level seems very diabolical. It seems very interesting why we are, as you said earlier, Adrian, why this issue? Why do they rally behind this issue? Uh, as far as I know, 99% still, according to the official statistics, uh, still survive this. And yet, this is the issue that we are going full court press on to the, I mean, even in Australia, the lockdowns in Australia, incredibly draconian. Um, do you see that diabolical layer to this, or is that stretching too far? I don't think it's stretching too far. I think it's it's evidence of a loss of faith. And, you know, uh, Chesterton said, when you stop believing in God, you don't believe in nothing, you believe in everything. And I think we have a susceptible population now. Uh, you know, in, in my new book that came out earlier this year, Contagious Faith, I made the argument that we are living in a climate of fear, and fear is being sold to us at uh, every opportunity through the media, particularly. We're told we should be fearful, we should be fearful, we should be afraid of this, afraid of that. COVID is wonderful for those who are selling fear. And uh, faith is an antidote to fear, and faith is something that builds you, it builds your confidence because you're not so frightened to death of death. You know, you're, you're not so afraid of death that you forget to live and live morally. So what do we do? Where do we go from here as Catholics and an uncertain future that's coming our way, especially from just a Catholic perspective? The diocese we may live in may be on one side of this issue that we find ourselves personally on the opposite. How do we as Catholics, uh, how do we deal with this? How do we manage this? Do we move? Do we get up and move to a different diocese? What say you, Phil Lawler? I have on occasion told people you need to move to a new diocese or a new parish because if you can't find spiritual sustenance where you are, you need to get it somewhere. You have to have a home base where you can rely on the church to give you the spiritual nourishment that you need. But I don't think most people need to move. I think most people need to make sure that their pastors and their bishops understand what's going on, that their pastors and their bishops understand that we are not going to accept another lockdown of the churches, that they understand it's one thing to say you should get vaccine, but don't try to tell me that I must get a vaccine on the basis of a document that says it can't be compulsory. Mm. What about the aspect of supernatural courage? You're a guy who's written a ton on church scandals, going all the way back. We discussed that last time you were on the show. I particularly am very fond of your book, The Lost Shepherd and Smoke of Satan. I I really enjoy these books. I find them to be exceedingly well-written and researched and insightful. Thank you. We've seen... Too many occasions of a lack of supernatural courage on behalf of the shepherds of our church. Do you see this as one of those? Do you? Th- I, I kind of feel like this is just one more 
opportunity where we are going along to get along with the world rather than having this supernatural faith that surpasses all understanding. Would you include this issue in that or no? Absolutely. And I think that our pastors and our bishops need to feel the encouragement, the prayerful encouragement of the laity. I think that they need to hear from us and hear from us that we expect them to take a brave stand, uh, that we will admire them and support them if they take a brave stand, because they know they're going to catch all sorts of flack from one side if they take a stand against the dominant secular culture. They have to know that they will also get a lot of praise and a lot of support. And that they have to know that if they're out on the front lines, they won't be out there alone. In fact, there will be some of us out there ahead of them. They have to know that. That's a message we have to give them. So I want to tie up in the last few minutes here of our conversation. I want to tie in the Traditions Custodis uh, layer Mm -hmm. to the current difficulties we have in the church between hierarchy and faithful and et cetera, et cetera. So as I said already, I see this schism growing. I see the division growing. And now we see especially this this, uh, document put out by um, Pope Francis on, on tradition and seeming a heavy, heavy hand on traditionally minded Catholics. And the reason why I bring this in is because I see from this community the weariness of of the onslaught. And they're like, listen, we, we want to say we don't want to be a part of these vaccines because of the abortion angle or these other issues that we've already uh, said. And now also you're seemingly heavy handed against more traditional forms of piety. Uh, like, at some point, I can see pushing away so many faithful into more schismatic elements of, of the church. What say you, Phil Lawler? Well, again, I think that we are in a time when conflict in the church is becoming very open. There's been, there's been a conflict all my life, uh, and it's just becoming more and more open and obvious. And I think it's more and more uh essential for good Catholics, as I say, to find a place where you find spiritual sustenance and to encourage the the pastors and the bishops to do what they need to do to preserve the church and, and the, her- the heritage that is slipping away from us in, in many too many places. We're, we're definitely facing a church in crisis, and all of us have a role to play in pulling it through. Yeah, uh, Phil. Real quickly, the you know we were talking. Uh, I was talking on with a friend of mine, and we were discussing you know local parishes, uh, local dioceses. If you are in a local parish, canonically speaking, you are set aside to go to be this parish. This is your parish. The priest is over you. You're in his territory, and they're saying you know we should really be going to the parishes that we're assigned to that we live in. Uh, but in the time that we live in, I'm like, well, I mean. Maybe in ideal times, but right now, I the local parishes are not spiritually feeding me. They're not spiritually healthy sometimes even. Um, so is that a allowed thing to do? Is that something that we are allowed to do is go church shopping in a sense? I think we are. And, I, you know, I, I've spoken with bishops about this over the years, and everyone I've spoken to has agreed that it's a good thing to have a geographical parish because what that means is wherever you live, somebody is in charge of you. There is a priest somewhere who is, you know, who who is obliged to bury you if you die uh, and, and who is responsible for your spiritual welfare. And that's on his soul, by the way, but that's another issue. Uh, But this is an era when most people 
get in a car to go to mass anyway. And if you drive an extra five minutes, 10 minutes, or in some cases an hour, uh, so be it. Yeah, you need to get to the place, as I say. Yeah, I mean, I drive an hour regularly. It's uh, You need to get to a place where you're nourished. Amen. Amen. Well, praise be to God. Phil Lawler has been our guest. Uh, the website is catholicculture.org, and you can see his blog post there. There's a couple of really good ones on this particular topic, but let me also just encourage you one more time to check out his books. I, I've enjoyed them. I know you will too, but Phil Lawler, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. God bless you, and God love you. Thank you, and the same to you. All right, have a great day. Uh, praise be to God. We're going to post this conversation. We're going to uh, edit it down just for to fit into the time frame of our regular radio show, and we're going to get it on. I don't know when, Adrian. When do you think we're going to be putting this on Maybe the Memorial Day? Maybe oh, that, Okay. So, um, or not Memorial Day. What is the next it? Week? I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think. What is the – that's coming up in the, like, the first week of September? Labor Day. Labor Day. Labor Day. Uh, well, I'm hoping to get it on as soon as possible, so we'll, we'll have to see. We'll talk about that after the show, but, uh, but praise be to God, uh, catholicculture.org is a great website, and uh, audience, I, dear, I trust that you are familiar with it, and if not, you ought to be. I go there almost every day to prepare for our show. I look at the not only the blog post, but they've got a great news aggregator service there just for church news. Highly recommend it. It kind of gives you that snapshot of what's going on around around the uh, the Catholic world there, and uh, I often use that for preparing for the program. But Phil Aller's been a, a great source over these uh, last several decades for for timely courage in the face of scandal. Did you say and, decades? Uh, yeah, actually, now. Really? Going back, I mean, I, I, back in uh, the first scandal in Boston, the church scandal in Boston was, what, 20 years ago now, wasn't it? Wow. I mean, yeah, it's been a while. We're, That's my entire life. Your entire life. <laughs> Uh, youth is wasted on the young. Anyway, uh, praise be to God. So, dear audience, I want to say thank you for hanging out with us for this very special after-show program. Lori was saying that there was an issue with the, the Facebook feed. Um, so, Odyssey is a good backup to that. We're going to be including Odyssey as a live streamer. Mike's still hanging out over there. It's good to see you. We've got about five people over there on, on Odyssey. So, uh, comment if you've never commented on Odyssey before. Let us know. It seems to be working just fine. It's a good backup option for for when YouTube decides they no longer want to tolerate our when, opposing if. opinions. Yeah. Tammy says, thank you for this conversation. I hope you don't end up on YouTube jail again. Yeah, we're going to have to unlist yeah, this Yeah, this video has to go away right after. Yeah, so but, unfortunately you won't be able to share it, but... You can share it. You'll just have to share it from Odyssey. Yeah. You'll have to share it from Rumble or some other locations. So we are posting our content on these other locations as well so that you will have the option of still seeing and hearing this content. And do us a favor, do share it uh, widely with your friends. We'd be grateful to you. Uh, Carlos, thanks for joining us. And Damon, Damon was the guy. Uh, Lori reminded me. It was uh, The gentleman's name was Damon. He was a first-time commenter. Yes, yay and amen. Damon, thank you for commenting today. If you're still hanging out with us, it's good to have you on. Uh, praise be to God. Uh, great conversation in the first hour of our show today on heresies with uh, Christopher Malloy. So I really wanted to spend time and talk about uh, the offense, what is uh, things that are offensive to pious ears. Yeah. Things that are not necessarily heresy, but are still things that should not be said by bishops, but not be said by theologians, at least not publicly. Even if it's technically true, it's offensive to pious ears and can lead people astray, and those things should be avoided as well. Um, and I wanted to have a conversation about that. So we might have to give it back. I don't know. We'll see. 
Malloy, yeah, he's very good. Yeah, praise be to God. That was a good conversation. I think an important one, too. I mean, so many things can fall into this misunderstanding. Like, I like the way he made the, the, the example of his friend from the charismatic church mm-hmm. who would say things that are heresy, but they don't know that. They, they have no knowledge of that, and they don't intend that, of course. It's just a very pious statement that they make, and that's very typical, and we see them all the time. Um, so I, I think it illustrates the point that we have to educate ourselves as lay faithful um, on these issues so that we, we don't fall into these, these traps, I guess. I think the traps make us more susceptible to even greater heresies. Or as Eric Rodriguez says, the loopholes. Mm-hmm. The loopholes. Uh, Buddy wanted to ask before we go off, he said, can you please explain the difference between a heresy and a false religion? It seems to me all religions teaching against the Catholic Church thus must be heresy. Uh, it's a little complicated in the 21st century because of the Protestant Revolution, um, because originally speaking, a heretic was any person who said something false that was a baptized Christian. Uh, so uh, technically speaking, that definition still stands. And so you could technically say that Protestants are heretics, though in reality, they are another, they are just, just a separate religion at this point. They're not, they're not fallen away Catholics. They're not apostates. So there's different categories of things. There's sacrilege, blasphemy, heresy, apostasy. Apostasy is when you completely separate from the church. Um, but heresy is a, is teaching something that is false and you are part of the church. And initially that meant a baptized Christian. Uh, but now it does not mean that any much more. And uh, there's a lot to be said about those kind of distinctions, but we're out of time. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, Dwayne Courier is going to be our guest tomorrow, apparently. Uh, analyzing the flaws in abortion bans and heartbeat legislation, clarifying why it's logical, illogical rather, illogical for Catholics for choice. So Dwayne Courier, Courier is going to be our guest tomorrow. Tune in 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern across across the planet, I guess, because we're not only on radio, Station of the Cross, Guadalupe Radio Network, we're also on the internet, praise be to Jesus. Do us a favor and share, like, subscribe. Make sure you're on our email list at grnonline.com forward slash cdt, because when we get booted, how else can I tell you what's going on and what's coming next and where you can watch and all of that? The email list, super important. And I'll send an email today, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. Thank you for joining us.